Welcome to the Medicaid Me Podcast. We have extended our app into a media platform that highlights who we are. With informative guests and a focus on industry breakthroughs, our goal is to educate and bring awareness to the many present and future medical evolutionary breakthroughs in our world. Stay tuned. Nobody want and nobody would want cable on the street in in Limerick, so the cable companies wouldn't come down because you had to have a certain amount of people on the block that were willing to all want to spend that money, it. you know. Yeah. And then they'll come in and put the lines in, but nobody wanted it. They were fine. Some of them had satellite dishes. We didn't even have that, so I had six, eight, thirteen, which is you know uh, was I uh, sorry I had NBC, ABC, CBS, and then PBS. Hmm. I didn't even have 51, which wow. was Fox. This is, when this, Fox this is really came out. interesting. Yeah. I, I'm feeling like a, there's a little black privilege so going like on. Because we had like satellite TV growing up. Doctor Who. I, was I like love Doctor old, Who. Old Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's like the Lawrence Welk uh, <sighs> show was on there. Uh, they would have like some cool little mystery mysteries, like, you know, British mysteries on there. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, it was well-rounded. cool. Well-rounded. Was always, uh, always watching the fundraiser, trying to save PBS and save the shows that you know and love. Well, listen, and, and ironically, great segue, because if I'm not mistaken, they always ran the muscular dystrophy, the MD. What was it, Memorial Day, Labor Day? I can never remember which one of those holidays is which date-wise, but either way, the one that's at the end of the summer, it was a, the Jerry Lewis telethon that if you're not like 35 plus, you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> Completely <laughs> clueless. You know what I mean? Like, um, but yeah, that was PBS. They, they would run it, you know, yeah. the entire day, all Memorial Day. And that was uh, muscular dystrophy wise, the only media marketing, anything, education that, you know, I'd ever seen or that I was familiar with. Uh, when I got my diagnosis in yeah. 2005. So it was, it's really interesting that you mentioned that because, yeah, telethons. Yeah, telethons and, uh, you know, Sesame Street was, was kind of good with some of that stuff. But uh, Reading Rainbow, I, I, I oh, think I remember LeVar Burton yes, did sir. A, some episodes with some, I can't remember what the handicap or the, the, il- the illness was. He did a, a few different episodes, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was awesome. I, I used to watch all, all those episodes. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Actually. My favorite was the narrated stories. <laughs> you like people talking to you? I will, I there's always because there's one that I that's always stuck in my head, but it's not the whole entire story. It's just the way uh, it was read because it was a particular episode of Onomatopoeias. <laughs> nice. So the story was read with. So the story was written, and it was so it was read. As a New Orleans, this kid that was growing up in New Orleans, mm-hmm. he was coming across these late night jazz. Like, what is that sound? Oh, and he would, and he was like, step through, <laughs> step through, like that. And he was making the the heartbeat sound exactly, you know. And that's and so he was making the automatic. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And that stuck that with you. Sound that I just made, I'll never forget it. And I and I always picture the exact picture was the kid like leaning up against the light post at night. Yeah, I, I wish you guys could see this body language right here. He's, I mean, he's got the lean. You understand? Lean with it. Rock with it. It's popping off right now. Go ahead. Say it again. Say it again. How do you do it? 
He was all like leaning up, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad. Where are the cameras when you need them? That was awesome. I don't know. I, my cameraman disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. He's setting up some contraption. Oh, snap. The tomfoolery is real, y'all. And uh, by the way, if you guys didn't know, this was uh, a way different intro because, you know what? What the hell? We started organically, and this is the Medicate Me podcast. So, welcome to the welcome. Medicate Me podcast. Uh, this is the first intro of its kind, so yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave as is. I appreciate that. I Beautiful. say we go with it. I am here with illusions of grandeur. Hello, sir. And it's such an interesting name, and we're gonna get into that in a second. And she is involved in uh, the Delaware Normal, Delaware Normal chapter, and she also decided to make it a very important sub group. Correct. And it's called the Delaware Normal Women's Alliance. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And that's awesome. So. Uh, without further ado, welcome. Well, Illusions. thank you. Thank you so much, love, for having me. I appreciate you so much. Thank for you for coming out oh, nice. to the house. <laughs> no question. <laughs> you know I'm always willing to hang. I'm with it. I'm trying to make this the, the, the name of the the somewhat studio here, the house. We have everybody at the house. Well, that's interesting yeah. because uh, one of the uh, corporate entities that I have is the house oh, cool. of grandeur. Oh, nice. So Beautiful. I'm with the house. All right. That works. And the house of grandeur is in the house. Yes, <laughs> sir, I am in, in spectacular grand form. And I have, I guess I, I got to ask the name. Yes, sir. Please. Well, there's so many layers to the name. Okay. Um, but I guess. We got time. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I'll give you the abridged version. The abridged version is um, I've always been an artist uh, as long as. I can remember being able to pick up a writing utensil. You know, I like the color, I like to draw. Um, when I was a teenager, I kind of got into creating murals. Um, and I wound up doing one up at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia while I was a patient there. I was 14 years old. I uh, spent a pretty significant amount of my sophomore year of high school at CHOP. Um, and for me, art was just, um, it was my release. You know, that was kind of my little private get away the way I kind of express myself it was cathartic for me mm. uh, but it wasn't something I was very comfortable sharing with the rest of the world um, I am, I'm kind of shy I'm honestly <laughs> I'm kind of introverted and people don't realize that um, so when I was trying to figure out how to sign my art uh, I wanted to do so but I wasn't in my youth I wasn't willing to let people know that it was me so I wasn't going to sign it with my actual right, name. I see. Okay. Right? So I wanted to keep part of my life, part of my truth, private. Um, and it, kind of following my artwork, um, I'm really into like photo manipulation and blending images together. Uh, and I kind of got into the habit of hiding one image inside of another one. Uh, so people who are close to me, my friends, my family, who were able to see my art, you know, they would always, when I did something new and, and, you know, they got a chance to see it, they would always go hunting for what <laughs> I hid inside of the art. Um, and by the time I, I arrived at a name, it was kind of, I was listening to the Beastie Boys License to Ill, one of my all time favorite albums, uh, had a huge impact on me at that time in my life. Um, it, oh my gosh, it's album. epic, <laughs> epic, legendary. Um, so, you know, part of that is my homage to the Beastie Boys and, you know, musically, um, personally, kind of the influence they had on me. Uh, it's also a bit of a reflection of what my actual artwork is. It is an That's illusion awesome. of grandeur um, and, you know, a bit of heritage in there as well. So it's it's really a collective. It just kind of happened. And, you know, one day it hit me. I started signing my work that way and then it really stuck. And, That's you know. awesome. 
No, that's really cool. I mean, and you suffer from MD or muscular dystrophy, correct? I don't know that I'd say suffer necessarily, well, but I, I live with it. Battling? Yes, sir. Okay. I live with okay. muscular dystrophy. You know what? That is a. I should. I should never say that. You know, I should actually start. That's a. That's a bad. Uh, vocabulary word, right? I, we should I, we should maybe. I, I don't know that I'd that. say it's it's a bad vocabulary word. I think it's something that uh, collectively people have learned to say. It's, yeah. it's typical jargon, um, you know. And it's not that there aren't difficult times sure. and moments. I mean, I suffer at times, but from my perspective, uh, every single day I wake up and open my eyeballs, and you know whether I'm able to get up and leave the house and come do something awesome like this, sit with you and speak. Um, or if I'm just laying in that bed, muscles rigid with my eyes open, I'm alive, I'm awake, I'm living with my illness. I'm not dying from it and I'm not suffering from it, you yeah. know? So I'm, I'm a, always a very glass half full kind of girl. Sure. No, I understand uh, that. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's just kind of something that's been burned into, you know, the, the human psyche, the public. Um, and, and unless and until people who are living with these chronic and terminal illnesses are able to. Um, have a platform to kind of speak up and and speak their truth, I think it'll be a little bit more difficult to realize that most of us really are, we're living with it. We adapt to it. uh, We adjust to it. uh, But, you know, I'm not suffering. I'm sitting here. Come on. With with you, (laughs) sir. (laughs) This is not suffering. You're you're goddamn right. That's right. You're right. Well, I, I appreciate your correction. Thank you. Um, no worries. I have been put in my place. <laughs> hey, you know ills is in the house when? Bring the education. No, yeah, no, exactly. That's that's the importance, especially of our podcast, too, as well, to bring awareness and education to to the the entire community. Now, when were you actually diagnosed with, with uh, muscular dystrophy? My onset was at the age of 14. I didn't actually receive my diagnosis until I was 28 years old, oh, 2005, wow. 2000, 2004, And now I guess, you know what, I'm going to, I'm definitely dumb in this, in, in this area. What does onset mean? Oh, I, I apologize. Forgive me. Um, the onset of an illness is when it begins presenting symptoms. Okay. So let me back up a little bit for you. Muscular dystrophy is a progressive degenerative neuromuscular disorder. Okay. All right. So that's the medical term. What that means is that um, anyone with muscular dystrophy MD is born with a genetic makeup where there is a mutation in their gene sequence. Right. Okay. So it means that our muscles don't have the capacity to convert energy the way everyone else's does. There is a deficiency, a breakdown, okay. dystrophy. All right. right. So uh, my muscles are atrophying, you know, um, they are very spastic all the time. I'm 24 seven having Charlie horse. You've had a Charlie horse, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Well imagine a Charlie horse from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet all the time. Oh wow. Right. So, I mean, and, and there's understand that muscular dystrophy is a categorization for multiple different disorders. Okay. Okay. Um, from a, a genetic hereditary base, there are some underlying traits. You know, we all, prog- our muscles will progressively, as we get older, actually they will die. You know, we, we will lose the ability to move them. Um, but depending on the strain you have, whether it's Duchenne's muscular dystrophy, which most people are familiar with, okay. right, which typically impacts males, um, it is 100% fatal and typically prior to the age of 20. MD is the number one genetic killer of children in the world. Oh, wow. Okay. Number one. Um, But because it's such a rare disorder, uh, because it appears in such a small number of the population, you don't hear or see this type of education unless you go digging for it. And even then, it's still very difficult to come across. So there's lots of different forms. I do not have Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. Um, 
But a lot of times, because they're mutations, it they'll be able to identify that it's a mutation, but they may not necessarily be able to drill it down to any other mutation they've seen previously. So there, you know, it's 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 kind of difficult. It's a, a bunch of muscle disorders that all get thrown into one lumped into one category because they really don't know what else to do with us, to be honest. That's what it seems like there's a lot of uh, diseases and illnesses that are like that. They're just, it's a category, Mm -hmm. like LGS. Correct. So again, if somebody has muscular dystrophy, just because you have it doesn't mean it's affecting somebody else the same way as it's affecting you or as quickly or as slowly the medication that you're on we're all different you're on different doses we're all different different genetic makeup than john over there or mary you know every single one we're mutants probably people in your family too would be on different doses than you would so it doesn't necessarily mean having the same blood would even be the doesn't matter you know (laughs) no uh, we're unique we i mean we are literally like unicorns we are very unique individuals um, in lots of ways, and it's uh, and, and I I apologize. I'm going to come full circle no, on you. Okay. So we were we were talking about onset. Uh, the onset of of my particular form of muscular dystrophy uh, was at age 14, right? So what that means is that was at the point where my symptoms became um, exaggerated enough that they required medical intervention. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if I back up a little bit further, what what I had were called soft symptoms as a baby, right? So um, I've got this nickname that uh, my grandmother used to call me when I was a little girl, which was tippy toes. Well, she called me tippy toes for obvious reasons. I walked on the tips of my toes, right? right? So when I started walking, my feet were not flat on the ground. And, you know, I wasn't in pain. I wasn't complaining about it. And, you know, I, I walked pretty fast and I was, I was good. So no one questioned it. You know, they, they kind of leaned into it. And I think I took ballet lessons when I was a little girl. Like, you know, what do you do with a little girl who walks on the tips of her toes? You put her in ballet. Um, so that was a soft symptom, but there was no pain to that. So no one was looking to diagnose it, right? right. So when I was 14 years old, um, it was the first time I think I had ever actually maybe dehydrated myself. Um, and I'll explain that a little bit more in a second. But I've learned since then that dehydrating my muscles is one of the worst things you can do when oh, you have yeah. a muscle disorder. I didn't know, you know, a kid. So my yeah. story starts on set. One time at band camp, like that's my story. It happened at band camp my freshman year in high school. Um, we were outside all day, you know, great practice. And, you know, it was end of August, I don't know, maybe a hundred or so degrees outside high nineties and, um, you know, fully dressed, full uniform, the whole thing. So by the time, uh, it was time to fall out a formation and it's the end of the day at band camp, I was completely dehydrated. And all I could think of was I got to get to the water fountain. Right. Like yeah. It was a super conscious thought to me. So first thing I do is beeline right for the water fountain and, I remember getting to the door. I remember opening it and seeing the water fountain in front of me. That was it. That's my last thought that, you know, I lost consciousness, apparently passed out um, and woke up in a hospital. So that was the onset. That was the first medical intervention. Yeah. Um, And, you know, what it was, was what's happened to me repeatedly after that is when my body gets completely dehydrated, it causes excruciating pain. It causes all of my muscles to become rigid. Mm. Um, So my fight or flight reflex kicked in as a child and I was out deuces. You know what I mean? Right. I gotta, I gotta get to the water fountain. Yeah. There's nothing that can stop me to get to that water fountain. If I have to run through a brick wall, I, yes. I am there. That was it, you know? And oh, then I lost man. consciousness yeah. because I was in so much pain. Cause that's a, yeah, this is you, you, your body took in your mind, drove yeah. you as, as, as best as it could. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Almost made it. Um, I almost made it, but not quite. So that was the first time anyone realized, Hey, something's wrong with this kid because otherwise 
I was a happy, healthy kid, you know, yeah. I'm a little band geek, a nerd, clearly, but, you know, I was pretty active. I, you know, wasn't a couch potato at all. I'd like to swim, you know, love to climb trees, that, that type of thing. So no one ever questioned whether something was wrong with my muscles. My muscles worked just fine. They weren't looking at that. Right. Um, so at that point, I wound up at AI Children's Hospital in Wilmington, Delaware, which is where I'm from, hometown. And, um, you know, it was great hospital, but once again, no one was thinking muscles. So they originally diagnosed me. Um, they thought I was epileptic. They thought I was having seizures. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ran me through this whole massive set of tests where, I mean, they literally had like my entire head uh, wired, you know, and with the whole skull cap on top of it. Like it looked like something out of a 1980s science fiction movie, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, taking a look at my brainwave scans and what they realized was at some point I did have seizures. That happened. Um, but what they realized is there was a neurological component at play. They did not tie the neuro, the neurology to the muscle at that point. So had tons of neurologists. They wound up sending me to CHOP up here to Philly. Um, and I spent pretty much my sophomore year in high school, them trying to diagnose me to no avail. So that was, you know, that was the beginning. That was the onset. You know, so that's the beginning of the process. My freshman year, so I was 14 years old. They were not able to diagnose me. Um, and at the end of it, uh, what they wound up telling my mother, uh, because my my labs were off, my tests were off, but it was not an off they had seen before, right? So they didn't know what it was. And instead of saying, hey, we don't know what this is, let's see if we can find someone smarter, they say to my mother, eh, we don't know what this is, we think it's just in her head. Yeah. Right? And, you know, that, yeah, it was spectacular. It's in her head. Yeah, yeah, she's making this up. She's, she's making this up. Like, these labs don't make sense, I've never seen test results like this, it's off the charts, but, mm, yeah, she just made this up. So, that was yeah. That was the beginning. Um, Interesting. And take. yeah, I, I mean, and and it continued. Um, I learned how to manage the symptoms. You know, I, I on my own kind of figured out this is this and that's that. Um, and it kind of went on. So it, it took until I was twenty eight years old. Um, I was I, I was a banker. Uh, I worked at MBNA then. I think B of A. Not think I know B of A has bought us out since. Okay. Uh, but I was at, at MBNA America Bank. Um, I was in the credit department. And the job I had, I didn't think was terribly stressful, but a lot of people would consider it a relatively stressful job, uh, especially in hindsight with the whole <laughs> banking crisis that oh, happened. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 I had nothing Yeesh. to do with it. Yeah. So anyway, so, you know, I worked at the bank back then, 90s, 2000s. And um, I began having heart problems and wound up getting wheeled out of the office in an ambulance, you know, with heart condition. I have SVT, supraventricular tachycardia. My heart beats too fast uh. all the time. So, you know, at that point, when I had that, a heart condition where, once again, you know, I'm a pescatarian. I don't, I don't eat a lot of things. I'm very conscious about what I put in my body. I don't drink sodas. You know, I mean, like I had no risk factors to have this heart condition. Um, and it was kind of at that point where, my primary care physician decides, spectacular guy, Dr. Duran, um, down at Jennerville Regional, he threw the bus at me. You know, he was like, there, this is, something is wrong, and I don't know what it is, but we are going to try every test in every department hmm. until we find something. Um, so it was really his tenacity in, in really trying to find a diagnosis. You know, he knew me. He knew it wasn't in my head. He's looking at tests and lab results that he had no clue what they meant. So he decides he was going to send me to doctors and his words that were smarter than him. So he sent me out and um, he started doing blood work on me every single week. Just and I mean, and I was fine, but he was like, we're just going to keep doing this. Something's yeah. going to pop up. 
And um, at some point, he gives me a call at work. I'm in my office. <clears throat> Sorry. Gives me a call. And uh, he says to, <laughs> he says to me, you know, hey, Lucky, I need you to meet me at the hospital, um, Christiana Care, which is my home hospital. Need you to meet me at the hospital. I'm going to I'm going to admit you. I'm like, really, doc? So I called a friend of mine and, you know, he came, so, comes over, grabs me, throws me in his truck, rushes me to the hospital. It's like a scene out of freaking ER. You know, we pull up and this doctor standing in the daggone bay with a gurney like, you know, I'm, I'm about to kick the bucket. And they're looking all worried and scared. And I feel perfectly fine. I'd been at work for like 10 or 12 hours at this point. I, I wasn't in pain. I didn't think anything was wrong with me at all physically. Um, well, come to find out the lab work that particular day which, once again, I had been doing for, I don't know, weeks or months at this point. The lab work that day came back where my CPK level, um, which is uh, your, your creatinine, um, it's the, the enzymes that your body creates when you're, like, working out or, and you push and you start feeling that burn, a little bit, bit of burn in your muscle when you're working hard. Mm-hmm. That burn is your body releasing uh, your CPK enzymes. And the CPK enzymes can't be flushed through your kidneys. They're, they're larger than, than cells, um, right? Okay. So when you start releasing too much, like if you're in a crush accident, right, if something falls on your body and crushes your muscles, they'll release a whole lot of this into your bloodstream. Well, my test that t- day came back like I had been in a crush accident. Oh, my God. Okay. Right? So normal wow. levels in a, in, a, in a normal human being shouldn't exceed 300, right? My levels that day were 50,000. Yeah. Yeah. That number, 50,000. And... uh so it was pretty outlandish. My doctor was pretty freaked out. They reran the test wow. and reran the test and mm-hmm. sent it to a different lab just to make sure that there wasn't something wrong because it made no sense that, uh, you know, my levels could be that high. And I'm right, right. conscious, let alone up at work, chilling, <laughs> having a good day. So when I got there, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. He admitted me. Um, and that was the first time there was some obvious evidence of muscle damage muscular dystrophy a deficiency in my muscle right right there was no accident i had no trauma there was nothing wrong with me but my body was just releasing that much of the enzyme because it didn't know what else to do like it was shutting down almost on you it's exactly what it was doing it's exactly it's like running a marathon and you know you see somebody sometimes they get to the end and they collapse they're going into what's called rhabdomyolysis that's exactly what was happening to me i was going into what's called rhabdomyolysis i was in it rhabdomyolysis full you know well in it um, so I was at the hospital for a while. They, you know, all they can do is flush you with, with saline. They they just have to flush your kidneys and pray that, you know, you don't go into renal failure. So, you know, my doctor was right on me. He he got my kidneys flushed. They brought in all kinds of doctors from all kinds of places and everyone put their heads together. They decide, send me to Penn. Let's look at this again and let's look at her muscles. So Penn did a muscle biopsy on me and that's where the diagnosis came from which is genuinely the only, the only way you can diagnose any form of muscular dystrophy you, you've got right. to yeah. take a slide of the muscle you know freeze it wow. put it under the, the high power microscope and yeah do a full genetic sequence and that shows the mutation that exists in the sequence now not to really get off a track here but i just i just read that they are are doing a lot more of these um, i believe they just successfully genetically mutated a embryo to that was from two parents that would actually most likely pass on a disease mm-hmm. and they were able to remove it remove it from Correct. from there Correct. and still be a genetically a part of the mother and father they just took just altered and took that strain right out mm-hmm. snippy snip and then put you back together add something Minus. else nice Correct. add a healthy strain that 
back in. Um, <laughs> it's it's pretty amazing. And then they were doing the three parent. Did you ever hear of this one? It's a uh, two women and one father. No, I've heard of two women, but two women plus a father. That's interesting. Now, uh, yeah, it's literally the because it's the female mother who has the bad mitochondria. Oh, that makes sense. So they have a female that has healthy mitochondria. Exactly. Yeah. So then they alter the egg to become, and so it actually <laughs> genetically alters the the bad mitochondria into egg. the good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That makes sense. So that that was the three parenting. Um, embryo, and I was like, "Well, that's interesting. Well, won't that start as?" I didn't read too deep into it, but my one question was, "Will that start to alter genetically?" I, you know, because like, now you're adding like a third person in along the line of. Oh, that's yeah! Wow, or is that, your family or, tree is, or are those yeah, genes different. wiped when they, you know, re- redesign it to work with the bad? You know what I mean? To take out the bad mitochondria and put the put good the in there. Yeah. It's, uh, but how do you not? I mean, when I you're mixing, doing, when you're, yeah. yeah, when you're mixing that material, though. I mean, how is there because it's not some? her mitochondria? Right. I mean, I guess I'm maybe I don't even understand mitochondria. The process. <laughs> the process. Yeah, I was gonna say you're People are probably deep. screaming at me right now, like, "Shut up! You're not a doctor." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, regardless, um, back to back to what we have been uh, speaking about. But no, no, it's uh, it was just because you keep you were saying genetically, and I'm like, wow, I wonder if this can was it be removed? Future wise, could MD you know be removed? Could well, I like mean, I I would I would assume I guess just and um, not a science scientist, um, not a doctor. But I would assume that based on what I'm familiar with in the uh, in the science world right now, where they're at, um, I can't imagine that at some point they won't be able to modify all uh, hereditary illnesses. I mean, and I, ideally, absolutely. And I mean, I guess it depends on what side of the argument you fall, whether yeah, you're with yeah. science or uh, or anything else. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I personally, I, I think. What I've seen, that's coming. It, it looks like they're going in that direction if that's not already possible uh, someplace in some space. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for me, I'm trying to manage my illness and learn to adapt. And I've been through a lot of, you know, I've, I've went through a lot of facilities. I've, I've been in the hospital a lot. And I've learned a lot from this process. So it's always important to me with anything that I have to just give back and share my experiences. I mean, and Hopefully, if someone else is going through the same thing, if they've experienced it, it'll help their process out a little bit. I mean, you know, let me tell you, there's a, a, a hole in the, a, a, you know, a pothole in the street, such and such a street. Then, you know, if you ride down that street, you can know to avoid it. If I don't tell you it's there, I just drive over it and I know you're going that same path and I let you find out on right. your own. I just think that's just wrong. <laughs> oh, right? by the way. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about your axle, brother. <laughs> you know, like, Flat tire now? Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, I just want to share information. And, and that's really, you know, where this is all born of at the end of the day but yeah, yeah it's, it's been a pretty interesting process onset was at 14 so that's when it, you know, I first learned that something was wrong with me didn't know what um 28 was when Dr. Duran was able to you know actually help pin down okay this is this and this is that um pended the biopsy they sent me to Hopkins um and Hopkins you know kind of threw their stamp on it like yep this is that moving on um and, and Hopkins really kind of helped me out very much with the um Understanding my MD, um, understanding that it is a um, untreatable, uncurable illness. And, you know, that being the case, it does not mean that 
my life is over and you know this is the end it just means that I need to learn to adapt what I do and how I do it I need to conserve my energy um you know so it, it just they Hopkins did a great job of really helping me learn how to educate myself you know really kind of giving me some great information uh, you know my neurologist was awesome there um and they also helped me understand that it was important to build a team around me you know it took me 14 years to get my diagnosis once I had my diagnosis I was absolutely going to make the best of it uh and you know and not allow um I guess what could have been or would have been a very frustrating uh difficult process was more of an educational learning process um so that's that's pretty much in a nutshell you know when it started uh when I got diagnosed and kind of when I started kind of getting a handle on my muscular dystrophy that's 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 crazy i i didn't realize like really the what was going on with onset <clears throat> and now i you know now i understand with a little bit more even with others like onset ep- epilepsy early onset epilepsy exactly like, guess, when you start again, having when, symptoms when tuffy was you know exhibiting symptoms of, of seizures correct correct and i mean with things that are genetic uh it's always in you it's genetic you're born that way but that doesn't mean that you're going to always have symptoms some forms of md have the onset much later in life in their you know late 20s early 30s that's something that happens which is tough because people have been walking around perfectly normal <laughs> right the vast majority of their life and then boom all of a sudden they wake up one day and, and they're having muscle issues and, and no one understands why, which is also why it's pretty difficult to diagnose in people. Um, because once again, there's different strains, they have different onsets, exactly. different symptoms, yep. you know, and, and they're managed differently. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole big thing. And, and winding up in hospitals uh, early on in that process, trying to get diagnosed. And uh, even once I was diagnosed, winding up in emergency rooms uh, because my muscles will get more exacerbated at times, right? So if I do too much, if I move my muscles too much, if I walk or, you know, if I exacerbate my muscles. So exercising is is something you actually really need to moderate as far as you need to watch. Oh, yeah. It's not like you can be like, you know what, I'm going to. No, I can't just decide I'm going to do a 65K. It's a novel concept, but I have to be supportive in other ways. Because oh, yeah, my, yeah. No, yeah, I'm, sure. I'm cool. Well, anybody, <laughs> anybody can decide to do that. I, w- <laughs> I would not recommend just be like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do that uh, without yeah, no, knowing my, be, my, my, how my feet will be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just jokes. I mean, for me, it, it, it breaks down to something as much as, you know, I got to decide if I'm going to go to the grocery store today. If I'm going to go to the grocery store today, I have to have prepared two, three days in advance. I have to not do anything because yeah. getting up getting out of the bed getting dressed you know getting through my grooming that is your work getting in a car absolutely going to the store you know all of these are individual events for me you know so there are days when feeding myself is an accomplishment like woohoo thumbs wow. up you know right. I, I was able to feed myself today um and then there are other days where uh where i've given myself some days even a week or so to uh conserve my energy so I'm, you know, not doing much, not moving my muscles much, heavily medicating my muscles, which helps with the muscle spasms. It helps with the nausea. Um, it helps as a vasodilator. Like uh, in 2012, I ruptured a cerebral aneurysm mm. and learned that, yeah, I've got um, uh, a constrictive vaso uh, disorder where the, the nerves and arteries in the back of my skull, in the back of my brain are, are pinched. They're constricted. They're smaller than they should be. So that being the case, I you know I get these horrible, horrible thunderclap headaches, 
right? Oh wow! Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, they last for like weeks at a mm. time. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, but cannabis actually helps dilate those arteries, those nerves, and helps the blood flow through. But they help my headaches. Right. Um, among it's other like, things, like, the, <clears throat> like when they say it opens up, like caffeine opens up your capillaries. Same thing, yes, like sir. Kind of okay. So vasodilator, sort of, right? Okay. Um, now, are you on prescription medications for pain or for um, f- for your muscular dystrophy to try to keep the muscle intact? Is it like almost like a Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, and that's kind of a trick question, and I can just imagine people who know me personally are really kind of out there screaming to themselves or screaming at me uh, because that's probably where I am least compliant in in my my plan of care and my, and my you know my treatment plan. I'm not a fan of, of pain meds. I'm not a I, you know I'm I'm a pretty type A personality, um, so I'm not a fan of my mind being altered. I like to be very clear headed at all mm, times sure. if possible. Um, so. I'm prescribed opioids, and I have been on a constant, uh, I've been consistently prescribed opioids since I was 14 years old, nonstop, no break. Um, It had increased to the point uh, prior to and just after my diagnosis where I was on a morphine drip and then a hydromorphone drip. Oh, my God. Um, That lasted. I was on morphine for about five years. I was on hydromorphone for about seven years, and when I say drip, I've got a and I'll show you this. You can see this, but I've got an actual port, right? So a port cath in my chest. Right. Right? So. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. ex- exactly. Right? So I've got a port. So they mainline it, you know, and, and my port, so someone who has cancer or maybe someone who's, um, uh, there's something else and it's right out of my head. But, you know, if someone's getting chemotherapy, a lot of times they'll have a port inserted into their body so that they can receive the medicine directly right. into their system. Right. I require the same thing for my hydration and my pain management, um, as well as managing my muscle spasm. So uh, not only am I on opioids or have been prescribed opioids, and I, the truth of the matter is I really only take them when I'm in an inpatient setting. So when, when my pain gets so bad that I am no longer able to manage it at home, I wind up at the hospital. They pretty much always keep me. If I go in, I rarely come out the same day. Right. Um, yeah. But in, And they will manage it with, uh, IV medication through my port um, and it's you know very high dose opioids that's really the only thing that will uh, pull me back I guess once I've reached my pain threshold to that point but outside of an inpatient setting I don't take my pain meds and you know I, I wouldn't advise anyone else to do that I'm not I'm not proud of it but it's just one of those things I mean to me there there I have to have a trade-off with my quality of life and if I were to take the pain meds, the way they are prescribed. I mean, I'm prescribed hydromorphone uh, Q3, which is every three hours, um, anywhere between five and 10 milligrams, as well as Valium, uh, five milligrams, Q2 or Q3, every two or three hours, as well as, I mean, and there's a whole laundry list of other medications that they like to just throw mm-hmm. on top of that. It turns me into a zombie. And I, I, I just, you know, I spent several years while I was trying to learn to manage this in that zombie state uh, long enough to realize I, I just can't do that. So, you know, I, I pick my poison. I, you know, I, I take the good with the bad and I have to decide what I'm going to do, when I'm going to do it, because I know that I only have X, Y, Z amount of energy and I've got to direct it to whatever's most important. I have to prioritize what I'm going to do every single day. Um, but it's worth it, you know, because I'm able to decide, okay, well, you know what? I want to wake up this morning and go hang out with, you know, my peeps and we're going to do a cool podcast. Oh, and, hell yeah. Right? So, I mean, I, I've rested up for this. Like, you know, I had to 
had to chill out. And, you you really had to actually prepare. Yeah, you know? literally. Yeah. yeah. And traveling must not obviously be easy for you. I'm sure you, you, it's not like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go on a road trip to Michigan right now to go see some friends. Not in this lifetime. Because sitting in a car that long is probably not good for your condition. Yeah, you know travel I mean? is, is uh, it has to be short. Does it have to be like flight wise? Like short flights? Um, well, first and foremost, I mean, you're, the, I, the pressurization in the cabin. I, I think, I think you're, you're, uh, <laughs> you're, you're putting the horse before the cart, right? So, um, I've got to get clearance for my doctors. We got to start there. Shit. <laughs> this okay. is, this is, you understand wow. this is yeah. bigger than that. So wow. my, my, okay. my cardiologist has got to clear me to travel. Whoa. Okay. My neurologist okay. oh, wow. has right. got to clear me to travel. Okay. Um, you know, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole team. And a lot of mm-hmm. times they will do like a case management. Um, sometimes they'll, I, they'll come out and do a bedside case management. So all of my, my doctors, my nurses, my therapists all come out to the house. They sit around the bed and you know, pull out everything and see, okay, well, here's what's going on. You know, she's seeing these specialists and they're treating her this way and here's their notes and yes, no, maybe so. Depends on where I'm going. If I have a medical team already set up where I'm going to, which honestly I'll pretty much always have to have. I can't go anywhere without there being a doctor, a nurse, neurologist, cardiologist. Um, you know, I have to have specialists on the ground. You actually have a team. It's literally a team. team. Yeah, no, li- yeah, literally a team. Multiple teams, honestly, it's in like multiple they states. Behind got. you, absolutely. And yeah, start evaluating. Yeah. Can she go on this, you know, yes. travel here, go there, do this? How, can she, can she make a plane ride? Can, you know, is her heart going to be able to handle this? Are her muscles going to wow. be able to, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. So, I mean, I've got amazing teams though. Like I got a great team out of Jersey um, and though. great team out of Delaware. I've got UPenn up here, you know, Hopkins in Maryland. I've got a good team at UCLA. So, I mean, yeah, I've got a lot of really, really spectacular healthcare providers behind me. Um, and then, of course, I've got my CEO of, of yeah. my foundation, Team Mills MD Awareness Foundation. Um, so my Tina, my, my, my Tina, yes, who she is, my nurse, <laughs> Nurse Christina, um, you know, she's always by my side. And that's that's something we say on our show, but we say it because it's it's true. She's always with me. So, yeah. That's amazing because having to put it in that perspective for some for other people who don't have any illnesses, you literally have like a team of people helping take care of you one person more than five people yes sir that are in a field that are specialized to help you yes sir that that's team that's, some, that's some perspective right there that, that's team mills you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> so how many different kind of medications were you on or were, oh, wow. did they okay um, over two dozen i mean and we got to break it down because then there there's the po meds which are the pills and things you take by mouth mm-hmm. right so or PO meds were probably about uh, 16 or so. And then I had my IV meds. Um, and that was so the hydromorphone, the diazepam, the phenergan, um, the saline plus K. Uh, so about five or six, uh, at least five or six IV meds and about a dozen and a half pills when I was originally diagnosed and they were trying to manage it. So, I mean, I had pills for my pills for my pills. It was ridiculous. So, did you have any negative effects from <clears throat> from from tri- those trials or from mixing them up so much? Uh, I don't know it's, if it's possible not to. I mean, okay. you know, the the, the medication. It's only so much the body can. It, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, mind you, I started on this process with them medicating me in this way when I was fourteen years old. <laughs> So the damage to my kidneys, the damage to my liver, you know, I mean, like I, I've, I learned it's important to read black box labels for all medication and not just read them, but ask your physician when they're when you're sitting in the office with them 
and they pull out their little prescription pad and tell you what they're going to give you. I learned my first question before they put it in my hand is, is there a black box label and can I read it now? Um, to which, you know, any physician will then say, yeah, hold on. They'll walk out the door. They'll print it out on the printer, walk back in the room and hand it to you. Right. And you can have a conversation before you ever get to the drugstore with this doctor prescribing this med about exactly what the possible side effects are. Um, so yeah, they've honestly, I think every ridiculous side effect that you see, I've, I've been impacted by. So you obviously use cannabis and, uh, very Uh, every day, every day. (laughs) So (laughs) you're now using cannabis along with the medications that you currently are taking. Yeah, obviously I do. Um, have you noticed or have you had any negative or more positive effects from using cannabis along with the prescribed medications? Uh, what I learned is for me, uh, and I think it's important for everyone personally, but for me specifically, whole health <coughs> is important, right? So you got to manage Sorry. your, no, no worries. You got to manage your whole health, you know? So to me, any treatment plan should consist of multiple different things. You know, I'm all about alternatives, but I'm, keep in mind, I follow my regimen, you know, my heart meds, my blood pressure meds, my this, my maintenance medication I take and, and I'm conscious and cautious of the medications that I take. I do my research before I will ever even go to the drugstore once again. But uh, yeah, so I have prescription medication. Um, I as well use cannabis as an alternative therapy. Uh, and I talk to my doctors about this. I have this conversation with them openly. Um, I also use alternatives like Reiki. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was something that was introduced to me by my nurse, Nurse Christina. Um, you know, she brought the most amazing Reiki master on, on one of our shows. I think it was season one. Um, Linda De Lamar, she's a Reiki master. She's spectacular. And honestly, I, I didn't even believe in Reiki before it happened to me. Um, but it's, you know, I, I went through the process and it worked and it worked amazingly well. And it, once again, it's not like, whoa, I'm going to throw all my pills out the window. No, I'm not. Um, but you know, I added that to my total therapy. I meditate. Um, daily, you know, so I think there needs to be, I'm conscious of my food, you know, I'm, I'm, and I don't always eat, eat organic, but I eat a primary plant diet, you know, so I think it takes all of those things. I think you can't just do one thing. You can't decide, all right, well, I'm going to stop drinking sodas and my life is going to change. Like, I, you know, it's, it's gotta be, it will change a little. <laughs> I mean, right, well, but, you know, I guess but I'm, look, I'm thinking of it like this. So if you stop drinking sodas, but you keep drinking, but you, but you keep eating double cheeseburgers every day, yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? With a, a supersized fry. Yeah. You might as well keep drinking the soda. You're still I mean, getting somewhat of a, uh, a massive dose of sugar because that those carbohydrates are now turning into sugars. Um, and I, even now, big picture. especially with people with, with certain types of cancers, so there are certain types of cancers that love sugar. They're mm-hmm. like, give me more, and I will spread throughout your body. Yeah, you know, I mean, if like you think you about what me. it is, exactly. And, you, and that's another thing that people really need to take into focus. It's the same thing with people who just... I want to lose weight or I want to, uh, I, I, I work out every day so I can eat whatever I want. No. It's total hell. I get the mentality because I have a fast metabolism. So sure, technically, mm-hmm. yeah, I can eat pizza every day and I probably won't gain that much weight at yeah, all. But you know what will happen? Your arteries will, uh, sh- you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I think my, people don't think colon, about it. Exactly. I mean, you may not see it on you. Like, my mind, mm-hmm. people gut more and lethargic. Mind, yes, uh, people don't realize. Obviously, when obviously when you are, feel nauseous, mm-hmm. it's 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 gonna take a lot for something to make you laugh. I, I can't I can't really do anything when I'm nauseous. Mm-hmm. So that immediately puts an effect on your uh, your emotions or your mind, and it puts you in a state of 
just feeling just ugh, awful and not necessarily like a sad or depressed state. It's just when you're nauseous, you're definitely not feeling like, yeah, I'm nauseous, but I feel pretty good. Well, you know, I, don't I don't know. I, I don't know. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I've got gastroparesis. Which, All right. Well, maybe I, yeah, maybe this I mean, is just for me. It, I, I mean, should speak for myself. Here's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I think what, what you're speaking to is probably the, the masses. I think most people would agree with that, but I have gastroparesis. I'm nauseated 24 seven. I'm nauseated right now. I'm always nauseated. Like it never. Well, that's it. It doesn't Podcast stop. made her sick. <laughs> Not Shut at all. Shut it down. I'm, I'm ill. What you want from me, bro? I'm <laughs> ill. You know what I mean? No, seriously. So no, I know. Like I'm always nauseated. And, and this is once again why I medicate because of all of the medications, prescription medications that I've been given. Mm. Uh, so like Zofran, for instance, is a, a anti-emetic, which is an anti-nauseamid, right? And when I was originally put on Zofran, um, either the PO or you know, by mouth, they have the ones that like melt on your tongue or under your tongue. Um, they worked amazingly well when I first started. Well, when I first started, it was like 2007, right? Um, so then the, the pills didn't work so much anymore. So then they put me on the IV, you know, version of it, the liquid. Worked great until it didn't anymore. You know, so after about three or four years, mm. your body builds up a tolerance. Right, of course. Exactly, right? So... I started Zofran when it literally hit the market and Zofran is such a strong anti-nausea, anti-emetic medication that it's what they typically use for cancer patients, Mm -hmm. right? When they're going through chemo um, and nothing else will work. When I get to the point where that no longer works and it it doesn't and it hasn't, then they transition me from Zofran to Phenergan. Phenergan is also called Promethazine. Promethazine is nicknamed lean, right? Everyone loves talking about lean, scissorp, all that. I'm on that. I'm prescribed. I digress. I'm prescribed that. I only take it in an inpatient setting. You know, now, could I take it every day? I absolutely could. Mm-hmm. I won't. Right. So because I won't consistently take that medication, because if I do, I'll build the tolerance. It'll take more blah, blah cycle continues. So a way to stand in that gap for me is cannabis. That's awesome. It is that, a perfect anti-emetic. That. Do you have any particular strains that you, uh, gravitate towards um, that you know of or do you, do you take notes at <laughs> all from do I ever I honestly right now I'm taking the best notes of my life with the medicate me beta test Bam. I mean and I, I would love to say that's a shameless plug but truth be told it's just that it's the truth so um, yeah I, I do I do keep track of strains that's kind of my thing I'm you know I'm, I'm a little bit of a geek when it comes to cannabis strains right now I'm a can of nerd I think a, you're, we're discovering that a lot of people are starting to really do, care about it I, I used to not for a while um, but uh, I think there's a lot of people who like yourself uh, who are really using it and suffering uh, I, yeah <laughs> gotcha here I'm we living go with gotcha. it. No living worries. with it living with it thank you I will get that out of my uh, my vocabulary, uh, living with uh, your ailments, it's it's different for somebody like myself who uh, likes to really use uh, flour a lot, but I, I de- generally have to have it in the house for a, a better night's sleep. Oh, okay. I, I still don't consider like that much of anything myself, really. Okay. It's not like that if I don't smoke, I, it's not like I don't sleep. It's just not I don't, don't really have a great sleep. But Okay. Um. Yeah, no, strains are strains we're, we're starting to stick into. Exactly. We're really starting. I mean, now I'm interested. Right. And, and exactly. <laughs> the Medicate Me app is really Medicaid, easy, easy Medicaid to use. Medicate Me app. It's it's spectacular. Listen, here's. To be able to add that. And I when I, I added my Hindu Hindu Kush uh, uh, just uh, yesterday, 
it, I believe that's it's such a stra- uh, old older strain that it's been around for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's been testing on it. There's been people who have actually can have breakdown the terpenes, and I found a site that gave me all that stuff. And you can again, you can if you can find the terpene breakdowns in like Leafly or WikiLeaf or I can't remember the name of the site. Um, I'll have to try to find it for everybody so I can actually put it. Up I like all but to, to plug it. But all but is mine. This site was great. I typed in Hindu Kush, and it came up with everything and it had the the terpenes that it had most prominent in mm-hmm. so i i didn't you know bother to record the ones that were less than 0.01 percent so it didn't really count towards the count of the total amount of terpenes that this particular strain has and it's pretty it's it's, but it's cool it, to be able to add it right yes like, yeah i'm, so I'm very great because i i showed i showed josh josh he's one of the owners josh ruiz and uh i showed him today i'm like dude check this out check out the, this is my most detailed uh, strain in my med- uh, for my medicine cabinet, you know, and it's it's uh, it's awesome, and I know I can use this one for something called insomnia. There you know, you if go. I if I really want if I really want to try to categorize myself as somebody who has insomnia, and I don't think I do. It's just I just have trouble staying asleep. Gotcha. Yeah. No. I mean, honestly, it it, it makes perfect sense. So for me, when it comes to strains, I have a lot of strains that are my favorites. I mean, and I, I don't know that I'll call them favorites. I have a lot of strains where I've learned um, what they do well for me. So, you know, I kind of think of it like Ill's Apothecary, right? So I like to do really controlled um, trials maybe on myself with any individual strain, with every strain that I come in contact with. So right now, uh, Orange Haze is my thing. And um, Orange Haze is, um, it's a sativa hybrid. It works really well. I mean, it's, for me, I can work with it, right? So it's not a, a couch lock type. It's a really euphoric kind of buzzy mm-hmm. up head high. Um, it's great for my nausea. How about that? And, and you know, when I have to go out, I've got to find good strains that help me manage my nausea. Exactly. Um, and, and, you know, and, and that's, uh, you know, I encounter different smells. I'm really sensitive to smells. Oh, um, okay. So once again, if I'm not heavily so, medicated. So, so maybe certain terpenes oh yes absolutely could actually set you off absolutely so there could be strains so uh do you not like the cheesy the ones that smell like cheese or the ones that start to i'm so mad at your nose right now you said cheese and look like (laughs) well what i was gonna bunch my nose up even more was like there's actually some strains that have like a sort of like almost a strong manure smell to it oh wow but not it's not bad it's just it has this strong earthy earthy uh, Hindu Kush. Uh, when I first smelled it, I got the immediate smell of hops. Hmm. I was like, okay, mm. I could see how that, that smells happen. like a double IPA in there. Yeah. And I was like, that that smells uh, really good, you know? Yeah. Um, but no, I, I can't say I've ever come across a, a flower I don't like the smell of. I, I okay. thoroughly enjoy the smell of all all flowers. Um, like uh, lilies, for some people. Love, yeah. I have a friend that triggers an, an immediate migraine. Hmm. She walks into a house and you don't tell her that there's lilies. If you tell her there's lilies, she won't come in. Well, here's the interesting one about this, and this may or may not make sense. I might have to think this one through a little bit more. But when I ruptured my aneurysm, um, it was the smell of pine saw that set me off. And Mm -hmm. I still can't. I mean, and literally the, the brand pine saw, I cannot. 
I can't be in a room with it. It, okay. it, it sets my head on fire. But something with, that's heavy in pinene? No, see, and see, that's exactly where I was going with it. Pinene doesn't bother me, so I would assume pine, that it made... Pine trees. No, and I used to live in Spokane, Don't Washington as a kid. No, well, I, no, no, listen, I was in Spokane, Washington when yeah. Mount St. Helens erupted. Military brat, right? So I lived in Spokane. Wow. Yeah, exactly. It's the Evergreen State. Like, you know, there that's was... Another I love pine. Yes, it is. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into just some Mount St. Time. Helen podcast. Oh, wow. Don't... Yeah, that's a whole conversation. That'd be great. But, uh, but no, it's, I said all of that to say this. So I... I would assume that maybe it's one of the chemical compounds in pine salt that set me off, not the terpene, mm. pinene, uh, because I love the smell of pine and it does not bother me. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is in it, but I know quite literally I cannot be in a, a open or enclosed space with the smell of pine salt. It, it sets my head off. Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. Heads up. So anyone who didn't know that now, you all know. No, I, I have a friend. I mean, I'm not going to get into the details, but I have another friend that's that also is very sensitive to a smell. Mm-hmm. Not, not, that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, but it's, it happens. It's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I smells again. <laughs> not to get off the chan- tangents, but we're, we are. We're talking about terpenes too. Mm-hmm. It, it's terpenes can set off memories for me. Hmm. That's interesting. You ever get a smell guess, and you're like yeah, pine, oh, pine? Yeah, it takes back me back to, to like, Washington. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm when with you. I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I, sometimes it brings me back to a literal, literal time, yeah, it's a not, moment. Not, not just a like. Oh, it reminds me of Maine. Yeah. No, this reminds me of. I was Old Orchard Beach this. in Maine because I smell. If I smell for, uh, sorry, what do you guys call it down here? Uh, funnel cake. <laughs> what do you call it up there? What it is? Fried dough, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Listen, if I could drop the mic and walk out the room right now, wow, you got that, bro. Nice. So uh, yeah, no, we, we we call it fr- uh, fried dough. We didn't get creative with it, uh, we, but we are. I think we might be, we could be the original originators of the whippy pie. But anyways, so anyways, when I smell that fried dough smell, mm-hmm. it brings me back to Old Orchard Beach in Maine, to where they have uh, all of of those type of. Um, it's like a carnival almost all the time in the summer. It's mm. cool. It's like one of those beach carnivals. Oh, cool. You okay. know what I mean? I do, actually. Uh, so, you know, you can get all kinds of stuff, and there's rides and yeah. stuff, and it overlooks the ocean. Like and the stuff piers, like that. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like really Seaside cool. Heights in Jersey. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess I should, yeah, I should have just said, it's like a Wildwood. <laughs> whatever. Kind of the, the I'm with you. But yeah, so it's it's interesting what terpenes can do because terpenes, again, like I said, it can trigger these bad memories and maybe even trigger something to bring on that nausea, bring on that fear, bring oh, on yeah. that yeah. sadness, bring on that depression. You know, oh, when I smell this, it smells like, you know, yeah. like my wife's clothes smell like her. So it's like anytime if, you know, yeah. it's like I you could smell her clothing and it's like, oh, I can, it's like. You know, it's like your your mind, your synapses start firing off mm-hmm. in in a way. You know, brain's an amazing thing, isn't it? So yeah, so the brain is an amazing thing. Yeah, that is that is a, that's awesome. Do you find that you, I guess, have you ever found, or do you find that when you um, use cannabis, as far as for the nausea, mm-hmm. do you find that you uh, do you only use cannabis for the nausea, or, or that other medication, the Zofran? I don't Zofran. even take it unless okay. I'm in the hospital and they force me. So the um, hospital is only when you have the Zofran, because yeah, that's, that's when the nausea gets to the it's point so where bad you're just that, like, I can't. What's well, it, it? It's gotten past nausea. It gets to the point where it's vomiting, and it once I get oh. to the point where it's vomiting, it is projectile, and it, it won't stop. 
It's right. Like so that's gastroparesis. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, once there's nothing left in my stomach, I'm still dry heaving and I'm still hurling. So, so it's really bad. They're, you they're can trying actually, to manage it. Do you, have you found a strain that has ever exacerbated your stomach to make your stomach start twitching in that, in that way where you're Are like. going to have this hyperemesis conversation? Do we? Oh, wow. No, no. To answer your question, I have never been in a situation or circumstance where I've consumed cannabis and it made my nausea or vomiting worse. Yeah. I have not experienced that. I'm familiar with um, the uh, disorder. We'll call it. I'm not sure what else to call it. I wish my nurse was here. Uh, but I'm familiar with, okay. with hyperemesis, with cannabis hyperemesis. Um, it's something that's uh, kind of gaining steam a lot in the no, healthcare not, industry. I don't know about hyperemesis as far as what people who are really sensitive to cannabis. And no, that's why. where people start vomiting or get nauseated or vomiting because of uh, consumption of high amounts of THC cannabis. Right. Okay. And no, I was saying like we have uh, we had um, Alex, a sick, sick boy slim. Everybody knows Alex <laughs> Doc, Doc Roxo as he used to be on on Instagram. Uh, he has Crohn's disease, mm-hmm. and I guess <clears throat> he said that every time he had green crack which we all hate I the name of I yeah. hate the name of it's so stupid um but anytime he had green crack the as flower mm-hmm. he it always triggered a spasm in his a spasm stomach. in for his for his crones yeah uh, yeah and I his gi that trap and it would actually send him off into that would maybe sometimes could have been the what the reason why he had to go to the hospital sometimes the next day because of the fact that he had that the day before and it's just started setting off because it was a stimulant for that gotcha. and it, it, you know what I mean so it reacted differently than it, it should have yeah no but yeah I can see how that could happen I mean you know but sativas. again we don't really know because again it this is back when there's really no apps to track it uh as far as where you're getting it from and is it always like that every single time has it been multiple times? Are you scared? Well, to- were, the, were, were other things consumed with it? Exactly. You know, what, 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 we I don't mean, know the you factors. Got, exactly, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I can't speak to him. Can. Exactly. I can't speak to his situation. But what I can say is, no, I've personally never had that situation. I have had, I mean, I have favorite strains. I have, for me, it's like Ill's Apothecary. So, I, you know, I pick specific strains to do very specific things. I layer them even at times. Do you, um, have you... Since the since you've been using the the beta, mm-hmm. have you um, gone to the hospital? Yes. Okay. Have you recorded? Have you entered that uh, treatment? Whatever they gave you, you can enter that into the app under no, the prescription. Uh, like no. uh, you can add it physically into the cabinet. Um, no. Well, and I guess for me, I guess you know, certain the, the, like prescription wise, they're in the prescription uh, drop drop down. I believe, right, Josh? Okay, so yeah, yeah uh, they're in the prescription drop down. Um, but as far as there, there might be certain treatment drugs that are not. I don't know. Gotcha. Uh, currently, you can input any medication that you're taking. You can you can you manually can, input. Absolutely. But I'm saying, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, you could. Use, I, I know I could you, add pharmaceuticals. I don't. You should. I mean, I think that's personal preference. I for me, as just as far as like maybe uh, for if you're into it. Not to force you, but that's 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 one of the uh, well. Let me explain whole, to you why I wouldn't personally. No, yeah, I agree. I think for some people it would be good. Like maybe some correlations in, in the. I'm with you. I, I mean, and, and I think it's it good so that much. you can. I think it's great to have that option. I think it's an awesome awesome option, and I think for some patients it would be beneficial. For me, um, because of how complicated my illness is, because of the healthcare teams I have following me. Mm-hmm. I have to be very cautious and conscious about crossing platforms for certain things. 
So, you know, for me, when I'm looking at the Medicaid Me app, and and once again, I I love this app. I use it every single day. But uh, the way that I use it is very specific to my cannabis. Now, I'm I'm aware that I can use it for my meds. That's That's awesome. You tailored it. Exactly. And I've got that set out in a completely different place and space where my healthcare providers have access currently and have always had access to what I'm taking, when I'm taking it, you know, that entire thing. So for me, that part of the process exists outside of this. Um, But I love the Medicaid Me app for the medicine cabinet so that I can drill down strain specifics, what they do, when they do it, um, when I should take it next. I love the reminders, you know, so I'm using it for that and to really kind of help me keep track. So where I've done like chronic talk and chronic talk summer strain series and things like that, which was just an attempt to help educate, talk about cannabis as medicine, talk about the opioid epidemic and, oh, you know, and, and to have the option to use cannabis versus opioids, what one does versus the other, um, you know, and in those times it, it gave me the ability with an audience, you know, and, and people who are really interested in learning to then get into strain specifics. So I think during the summertime, uh, we talked about Platinum Girl Scout cookies or Platinum OG Girl Scout cookies um, and, you know, what it does, what it helps, what it benefits. And as well as the cons, you know, if you have anxiety, maybe, you know, you want to consider what sativas you're looking at or what, what strains you're looking at or indicas or indicas better. Um, you know, like you said, look at the terpenes. You know, what's the terpene profile? Is this going to do what you need it to do? Is it an anti-emetic? Is it an anti-inflammatory? Like I, you know, I, yeah. I get very, very specific with my strains. So especially the studies that they're doing with it, it's amazing. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and to me, this is how these studies have to come about. You know, there's got to be a way, um, and which I personally, I think, you know, Medicaid Me app is great for this. So from the research end, that's that's where I use mine. That's really kind of where my focus is with the Medicaid Me app. Is really drilling down the strains and and creating um, good accurate controlled data that can at some point be used by researchers to say, all right, well, if this person has this illness, you know, we've got a 40 year old female, African-American female with muscular dystrophy, you know, who used um, orange, orange haze to manage uh, nausea. And we know documented that, you know, she was nauseated at 7 a.m. She consumed one bowl of four grams at at seven fifteen, and she had relief and a sunny disposition that's a big bowl by well <laughs> you know i'm i'm a g baby you know what i mean you gotta keep a g around here um <laughs> but you I mean you know but the the fact that i'm able to kind of drill down what i'm doing how i'm doing it um you know i for me it's a great tool for that mm. but i think the best part about this app is you can use it so many different ways you can use it purely for your pharmaceutical medication exactly. as your own digital medicine cabinet yeah. you can use it as a cross between the two to see how when you take your pharmaceuticals with or without cannabis you get your cannabis versus opioid your own personal side by side basically so or even yeah or even cbd hemp products you can even physically add into that as exactly. well so if, if you know the the com- these companies like Ananda Hemp and some of the other newer companies and some of the companies that have been around for a little bit mm-hmm. uh, as well, uh, you know, they, that's, people are using that as a medicine and people, you can even, again, that even opens up the door for people who are just using CBD products as just a uh, health and wellness ad- yeah, or preventative, additive, or, yes. pre- uh, preventative or just an additive into their daily life. Yeah. Um, and that's all they like to use, and that's fine. That's great, awesome. Exactly. Uh, but that's something like if you really wanted to get down to, and like you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna track that, like you know, uh, instead of just saying, yeah, I feel better. 
Well, I mean, and the problem well, was, you can without, find out why you feel better. You can find out why you feel better, but I'll take it one step further. So for me, I like to have this type of information. You know, if I'm going to make an, a, a case, I'm going to make an argument, have a conversation with my neuro-ophthalmologist at the University of Pennsylvania, which, you know, I have one of those and I have to talk to them about these things. So, um, you know, I was diagnosed with glaucoma, um, I guess earlier in the year. And uh, what they realized is, you know, those same constricted arteries that I have in the back of my brain, I've got, it, it impacts my vision, you know, rupturing an aneurysm a few years ago uh, caused damage Jeez. to my brain. So, you know, I've got organic brain damage and that's part of what was impacted is my, my visual field, my field of vision. Um, so if I'm going to these doctors, and I'm having conversations about what my medication is and what I'm taking. I can't not have a conversation with them about cannabis because right. it literally impacts it significantly. Yeah, so you really people need to, you know, that's that's a problem, though, because some people are afraid to. I you know, agree. Talk to the know. doctor. But, you know, you got to build that doctor patient yeah. rapport. I mean, you got to have a relationship with your doctor. You got to treat your doctor like your priest. You got to treat your doctor like your lawyer. You really have to lean into the fact that doctor patient confidentiality is real. It is serious. They do not play with it. And if you don't give your doctor and your health care, not even just your doctor, your nurses, uh, whether you're seeing a physician's assistant, you know, whoever your health care providers are, you need to give them a 100% accurate picture of who you are. Mm -hmm. And this is something that, you know, Tina and I, you know, Nurse Christina talk about when we do our How to Be a Smart Patient um, workshops. Like we've got one coming up, I think, for the American Lung Association next March. Uh, but when we do these sessions and, and we're talking to people about um, building these relationships, the importance is and the truth of the matter is if you do not tell your doctor everything that's going on, if you leave out, you know, when you're going in and you're not feeling well that, you know, you had a blunt this morning before you came in or whatever, you know what I mean? If you're not sharing that information and they're looking at your labs and your tests and, and trying to figure out, you know, how to best diagnose you, how to give you a plan of care and a good treatment plan. They don't have all the information. There's no way they can give you an accurate diagnosis. You're shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, exactly. Right? So you tell your doctor this. I mean, and, and understand that it may initially be an uncomfortable conversation, but this is where the physicians, the doctors, the healthcare providers, it is their responsibility to become educated about cannabis as well. This has to happen on both sides of the fence, right? Yeah. So patients need to get better at talking to their doctors about and being honest about what they're doing. You smoke cigarettes while your wife isn't looking. Tell your doctor. Don't tell your wife if you don't want to. Right. Tell your doctor, on it. He's not going to tell your wife he can't. So, you know, you got to share all that information so that when they're looking at different medications, whether the treatment plan is cannabis-based, whether it is pharmaceutical medication-based, or whether you're looking at alternative therapies, there's lots of them out there. If they don't know everything that's going into you, yeah. they can't give you the best possible outcome. Yeah, hell, tell them if you're taking milk milk thistle. Literally, yeah, yeah. everything. I'm everything. Been taking daily milk thistle. I take you know it's one to three tablets, or you know whatever your you know, your regimen is exactly. for that, and then. Uh, you know, why not? Give, them, that, give them a whole picture. You've got to. you got to build that relationship, you know. And it was it's me having that relationship with my doctors that helped me build the team that I have, which allows me, with the illness that I have, even as progressed as it is, I can still do what I do because my doctors know, they know how to handle me. They know that it is not unlikely that I'll come flying through that ER in full you know, exacerbation because I decided I was going to go... I don't know, do a fundraiser and, 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 and completely exhaust myself. They know, but, and when I get there, they've got instructions on exactly what to do. Yeah. Even if I'm incapable of speaking and telling them, you know, they know what to do with me. And that's important. 
So if I didn't have that open relationship, you know, when they do blood work on me, I don't have to tell them I smoked weed. THC comes up in my labs. Yeah. You know, I smoked it. You know, yeah. you know like the, you, you really can't hide anything from them because the tests and the labs, all of that stuff is going to show what you don't tell anyway. Yeah. So building that relationship and having that rapport and feeling comfortable enough to say, hey, doc, look, this is what's going on. And I know we've been talking about and, been, you know, you've had me on these opioids, but listen, buddy, I'm not taking them. Yeah. So how about, you know, we really talk about a good treatment plan that's actually going to work for me. Exactly. You'd be amazed how open these healthcare providers are to, you know, having you involved in your process. They want you to be educated. They want you to talk to them. You know, it's that's what providers are looking for. And having my provider with me, you know, gives me a little bit of an insight. You know, I know I've got a nurse with me all the time. But, you know, really just trying to share that that's exactly what they're looking for. Let's let's give them give them what they need so they can give us what we want. We want, you know, good quality health care. We want good health care plans. We want, you know, good patient care. Yeah. Give them what they need, and they can then give us all of those things back. And then if they don't, well, then it's time to advocate for yeah. yourself. You know what I mean? Holla at me. I got you. you. You stand up for yourself, and I'll stand for you, too. But you got to at least try. You know, give them the benefit of the doubt. They might surprise you. <laughs> and here goes Josh <laughs> with the camera. Hello, sir. I appreciate it. I think um, they're both my good side, though, no? So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's awesome. I mean, uh, you uh, you just went off on an awesome tangent there. Sorry, don't mind me. But I, it's passionate, and that's awesome. It, it is. I'm, I'm glad you're very passionate about it. And that's what I, I would assume passion is what drove you to create this Delaware Normal Women Lands. Uh, kind of, sort of, somewhat, okay. but not really. I'll be honest, it kind of fell in my lap. Um, but it, it, I think it's a great thing. So uh, I'm from Delaware. I'm a Delaware native. Grew up there. Uh, moved away um, late teens, early 20s, I guess. Um, I moved away from Delaware. And um, just recently, I guess within the past four or five years, uh, I'm lying, actually, maybe two, three years. I'm sorry. I'm really bad with time. <laughs> I'm really bad with time. What is time? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I moved back to Delaware. And... Um, when I got back there, I had been through uh, the New Jersey cannabis licensing process. I had been through uh, California process. I had been in Florida without any cannabis process. You know, I'd been all over. And um, at that point, uh, I, I was really just really interested in, in, I guess, digging into where Delaware was in the legislative process uh, with medical approved and not um, adult use, 21 plus full adult use or what some people call recreational, I guess, depending on how you want to look at it. But uh, I knew that that was something that was being discussed on a legislative end. I was really interested in uh, less the politics, truth be told, and really more just the educational aspect, what needed to be put out there so that as the legislation is looking at this as an option, they genuinely understand the type of people, patients, what's really behind this. Um, you know, I know sometimes I can get muddled and lost in the process. I think sometimes we kind of lose the patience as we're advocating for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just important to me to kind of inject uh, 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 some a human element. Um, and and uh, so I joined Delaware Normal. Um, nice. Sim Ferguson, the whole crew down there, they're awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, right? So they, they welcomed me with open arms. I'm rocking my, uh, my golden leaf today. Um, you know, so that really kind of got me into the, the normal scene uh, and understanding, you know, that the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, you know, kind of what their place was. Um, 
I was familiar with them. I'd interviewed, um, you know, some of the national normal individuals uh, on Medical Militia Radio. I heard MMR um, first season, second season, something like that. So I was familiar with normal, but I wasn't involved on a personal level. So when I went back to Delaware, I got involved with Delaware Normal. Um, and then as such, I guess um, I realized that, you know, as great of an organization as they are, I'm kind of antisocial a little bit. Right. So um, it, it's just kind of me. And it wasn't, you know, I, I go out to the events and, and I support and I really enjoyed it. But I, I kind of felt like, you know, there is a, a female, a woman's um a different woman's perspective maybe that can be brought to the table. Sure. Um, and yeah. like Sin, Sin Ferguson is awesome. And I think she does a spectacular job with Delaware normal. Uh, but I was just looking for a little bit of a different perspective. Right. So um, I'm, I'm blessed to have some of the most amazing people around me. And uh, Ebony Knight is a really great friend of mine. Um, you know, and, and I did some work with her um, and, you know, and we just kind of talked about it. And next thing I know, Delaware Normal Women's Alliance was uh, alive and well and the awesome. whole thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so Eb is a national director for uh, the Normal Women's Alliance. And like I said, she just kind of took me under her wing, mentored me um, and, and helped me really see that there is there's more than enough room. But there's also a different perspective, a different place in a different space where women enter into the cannabis conversation and I think we just go at things a, a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, I think it was also kind of a good fit for me because with Medical Militia Radio, I started with an all-girl crew, all-female crew, you know. So I'm kind of known to always have ladies around me um, yeah. and, and you know, just kind of... Um, and you're comfortable. Talk- I mean, it's kind of funny that you said you're like, I'm, I'm anti-social, but I used to have a radio show. I was like, wait a minute, hang, hang on a yeah, second. Yeah, really says like, that. But maybe, maybe in that setting, it, mm-hmm. that's when you were new... I can't be antisocial right now. We're doing a radio show. Uh, obviously, no, not really. It's it's you know was being it? in a studio, being in a booth, and you know all you do is just you're there with you know with my crew, my ladies, right? Okay. So it's it's all of us. My, everyone who I'm most comfortable with is around me. Uh, okay. You know, I, sure. and, and my crew, pretty much all of them have been around me for no less than a decade. Most of them two or three decades. So these are people I've had around me my entire uh, yeah. life, literally. Um, and it was a matter of you know when the the on air light goes on. Uh, illusions of grandeur pops out you know so there's that alter ego thing a little you. bit yeah, right sure. and that's the part of me that i'm comfortable showing the public okay um so no i i personally i'm really antisocial. okay interesting uh no i just uh i i i, I like the contrast it's yeah. very it's an interesting contrast I, I i find first for somebody who does like to speak and it was an ad is very advocating and you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 I, I think I'm a bit of a dichotomy, maybe sure. a little bit of a paradox. Sure. No, it's very um, interesting, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, and I'm very comfortable public speaking. Not even just in a studio. I'm comfortable public speaking, but once again, it's, it's a different part of my personality. You know, if you take me outside of that situation, I think the only way I was able to get there was with Team Mills. You know, the fact that I had such a spectacular support system around me. Um, they always surround me. They they made me believe that this was something that that could be real, that could really help, um, and it could really benefit people. Yeah. And it's it's grown in such an amazing way. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I, I I tend to be the spokesperson, the mouthpiece. But uh, by the same token, um, um, I've always been just very introverted, pretty shy, sure. and yeah, no, you know, people you. close to me know it. <laughs> so you you guys you guys get illusions of grandeur, you get ills, you know what I'm saying? But now, personally, I'm I'm a pretty quiet. I person. understand. Understand. Now, and um, the 
Delaware Normal, definitely. I know that this podcast is definitely going to come out after afterwards, but um, you know, we we're Sin Ferguson. Yeah. We are. Uh, we decided to, as people know, uh, this is Friday, the day that uh, we sh- we should have been walking, uh, starting our walk uh, to for the Tuffy's shore fight, for yeah. Tuffy's fight. Um, but as you guys know, uh, Ricardo's family lives down there. Even Josh Josh Ruiz uh, actually. Great. He just spoke to his mom today. He's been speaking with her off and on, but he spoke to her today. Uh, his family's down there as well. It's, Puerto Rico, it's, it's so yeah. it's like Hurricane Maria. You know, I reached out to Ricardo, asked him. You know, can we change? Should gears? we should we shift gears? Yeah. You know, Mike Whiter was like, you know, you should probably you know think about maybe shifting gears and maybe doing something. And he goes, you know, there's weed stock that uh, that weekend. Uh, down in Delaware, you should yeah. try to connect with Sin Ferguson. So I reached out, and we, you know, we switched it with Ricardo and all this stuff, and so we canceled the walk. Uh, and this is why uh, we have you on today, which yes. is great. Um, and uh, so tomorrow, we'll, you know, uh, Saturday, we'll be at Weedstock for uh, a while. Yeah. We're going to be just collecting. Um, you know, Donations. if you guys want to donate uh, money, you don't necessarily have to hand us cash. Uh, if you want to donate via, you know, if you feel safer. I, I'll have uh, like something there for you to just enter the actual information on the GoFundMe app. Yeah, yeah, itself. yeah, yeah. You can go to the I link. I can just hand you, you like you know, I link. can hand you like a tablet, and then you yeah. can hold the your link, own card. People. I don't need to look at it, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Or if you want to bring uh, the donations there, but um, yeah. So uh, you know, unfortunately, people will will hear this afterwards. But still, it's it's great that they. You know, they were like, oh, yeah, they were just, what do you the need? The first date, you baby. Know, there's no vendor charge. Like, no. you're not, because, you know, either way, we're not vending anything anyways. We're just trying Collecting to. Collecting donations. Exactly. Yeah, we're trying to help. Uh, and, and shout out to uh, to Drew. Thank you, Drew. Uh, you guys know him in the community here. He makes all the great signs for our marches. You know, honk for weed. And he made uh, my hashtag not a lazy stoner ah, signs and stuff like that. He, right. made the, he makes all the toughies, toughies fight uh posters and stuff so he made us a nice poster i can't wait to see it good looking out. um so uh you know it's 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 awesome that uh you know we're now we're bringing the community together even more philadelphia and delaware absolutely um i mean but you, you know, know we've always been interconnected it's, it's sure. right up the highway yeah. right you know what i mean like i grew up in wilmington and you, Dis- you were in and out of philly like regularly despite the slight dramas uh no drama no drama bro in in tri-state areas no just, drama you know it's, it's just, all love i know it's and all that's love. What it should be. It's all love, man. It's all listen. It's all love. This is just remember, we're guys, about it's cannabis not a comp- competition. We're all in it together. Yeah, it's all helping listen, hands. I, I think we're what we put out in the universe is what we get back. So it's a, I, I put out nothing but love. I, you know, what I mean, put love and respect, and, exactly. and you that's, get it back in droves. If 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 you are a respectful person and you're doing good stuff, there's no need to be in in any sort of negative situation. Yeah, I'm so, not with it. Um, but with that, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast this, is, this was is this amazing over? oh man we're almost awesome. we're, we're almost at two hours are you serious yeah. oh that's absolutely we're, outlandish we're about an hour and a half all sorry right. all right well it's I time was to looking wrap at up. the wrong counter that one says <laughs> i have over two hours of recording left on my hard drive but no we've been going for almost about an hour and a half wow go hindu and Kush. i know you guys have to uh yeah we got stuff to do and more go work visit some doctors yes. and stuff like that and i really appreciate you uh doing this f- for medicate me and taking josh around so no, thanks thank you needed. thank you so much and again thank you you are welcome here anytime uh you're welcome to even be uh, uh, uh not even like a guest you can be like a, a co-host 
Listen, don't, you do not want to hand me your mic. I Why may not, not give See, it look, back. I'll, I'll I'll li- li- listen, listen, listen to this smooth people. voice. Keep talking. <laughs> Close my eyes. Keep talking. You are so sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. There's no thanks needed. It has absolutely been my pleasure. An honor, even. Um, and as often as you'll have me on your microphone, I will happily sit beside you and we can bust it up because this and, was and I'll way try to come too to much you. fun. And I'll try to come to you because I know you're not. Very hey, mobile. Not a, hey, listen, it's not a problem. I, I get to where I get to. We can do this in a hospital room. You leave it up to me. Hey. That would be an interesting podcast, but uh, <laughs> I've done I'll it before. Let, I'll, you know, I we've will, done that. <laughs> you you can send me a text. Be like, Yo, I'm in the hospital, and if you, I think we should do a podcast. I'll be like, All right, we'll do it. I, hey, listen, I'm always up for some fun and excitement. And sure. you know, if you're in the hospital. What is more fun and exciting? We'll do some sneaky shenanigans. That's in all hospital. I'm saying. It's always some tomfoolery <laughs> when I'm around. Be clear. <laughs> but uh, well, thank you for having thank me. Sweetie. You it's been so a blast. Much. You're awesome. And thank you guys for listening. Stay tuned for the next. We Wake have the some... f up, man. Well, this is the medicate me. Medicate me. Yeah. Same thing. No. It's okay. <laughs> no, no, not same thing. It's a, not well, at all. Yeah, it's a you know different, uh, d- different, different uh, brand. So, As, uh, yes. Sir. Oh yeah. I so, apologize. Uh, no, See how I got put in my place. You hey, gotta love it. Don't worry about it. It's okay. <laughs> See, correction, education. It's all all love, and baby. We're not fighting about it. Nah, never. Um, but uh, again, thanks for listening to the Medicaid Me podcast, guys, and stay tuned. We got some great guests lined up for you, and I don't even want to give you a hint. <laughs> Maybe a hint? Nah, no hints. All no right, hints. Later. Peace. Yeah.